0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito laysnacketespnationcom to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Drag up that diesel. Trying to find running in and he's still on his feet. Hold. He's got the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. What's good? Welcome to the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Time to get into this weekend's matchup. We got the football team and the Detroit Lions. This was technically in our stretch of what we are calling winnable games because the back portion of our schedule where we see teams like the Steelers and the Seahawks is going to be a less fun uh sort of stretch to play than the one that we are currently in. And this Detroit Lions game was one that a lot of people felt would be very winnable. And if you're looking at this from an optimistic standpoint, and you think the team is still trying to win football games, which hopefully they are, and hopefully you still think that they're trying to win football games, regardless as to how you feel about them actually competing for the division title, which at this point I feel like is uh, should be a long-gone conclusion that they are not winning the NFC East. I don't care what the math says. But this is still a very winnable game, for the football team and last week I said the game against the Giants was a must win which I stand by and the team didn't win it. I'm labeling this game again. I don't usually like labels, you know, I'm a millennial, I'm I'm super hipster. I don't really like labels. But this game is something that I'm viewing as a prove it game for Scott Turner and his offense. And what I mean by that is what we need to see is something vastly different than what we have seen in terms of balance, in terms of execution, in terms of production from any point this season. We are eight games into the season. This will be week 10. We have the bye so we're eight games into the season. What is the best offensive performance that the football team has put forth this year? The Dallas game, that feels like it was the best offensive performance. But Dallas is the worst defense in the NFL. Not that that takes away from anything we saw on the field. But we know that Dallas isn't a good defense. So we are expected to go into that football game and bully them around. And to the credit of the offense, they did. We had a great day running the football. We had some explosive plays through the passing attack. But after that game, what is the best offensive performance this team has had to date? I don't even know if I have an answer to that. It's a scary question to sit back and think of and salivate and, and look at all of the numbers if you want to look at it just from a statistical standpoint. It's very, very frightening because there haven't been many. So I'm viewing this game for Scott Turner as a prove-it game. Because eventually the coaching staff and Ron Rivera will recognize, I don't know when they will publicly make this recognition, but eventually they will recognize, all right, we are not winning the division, and we need to start evaluating for who is going to be with us long-term. And that shouldn't just be a player thing. That needs to be on the coaching staff as well, which will be a bit of a harder pill to swallow Because a lot of the players that are on the roster are not necessarily Ron Rivera guys. He inherited them. A lot of the coaching staff, in fact, all of the coach, just about all the coaching staff, there might be one or two guys that stayed over. I can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, No one's popping off off the top of my head. So just about everyone on this coaching staff is a Ron Rivera guy. And it's not easy to fire your friends. That's not even just a football thing. That's a fact of life. It is difficult to fire your friends. But I feel like the coaching staff has to be in that process of we are evaluating for what we have next year. And right at the forefront needs to be Scott Turner. This is a game where we need to have balance and we need to run the football. That is, I mean, key number one, if we're doing the keys, I don't even know if I'm still doing that format anymore. But if we're doing the keys, this football team has to run the football against the Lions. One, because the Lions are a bad rush defense. So you have to take advantage of that. But you simply cannot run the football nine times in a football game. It's a very, very bad look when you say during the course of the week leading up to a game against the Giants, which, like this game against Detroit, is a game that should be considered to be winnable. It's a very, very bad look when you say leading up to that game, I don't want to be predictable, and then you run the football nine times, therefore making yourself predictable because you shy away from the run game. That can't happen two weeks in a row. It just can't. The run has to be a prime focus for the game plan heading into this game against Detroit. And, I mean, I mean, if you, you just ask... Me, in terms of my preferences, like I love aerial assault football. I'm young. I'm 25. I grew up on this stuff. I love seeing big plays through the air. But I recognize that in order to perform well, in order to have a truly great offense, you can't become one-dimensional. And we have talented guys in the backfield. As this season has progressed, Antonio Gibson, talented. That's a playmaker. J.D. McKissick, talented. That's a playmaker. Bryce Love is supposed to sort of be back in the rotation. I don't know what we can expect to see from him. Uh, That's more of a question mark. Hopefully great things, but I I don't know. I'm certainly not going to make a prediction as to how Bryce Love is going to get used in this matchup. But you have to utilize those guys in the backfield, and you have to get the offensive line in a rhythm and in a groove. Get them dominating the line of scrimmage. And again, this Detroit Lions defense is set to be dominated. I mean, that's the best way to put it. They are a defense that is set to be dominated. They are a 30th in the NFL in rush defense. Last week, one guy ran for 206 yards against them, that guy being Dalvin Cook, who is one of the premier backs in this league. But Dalvin Cook went for 22 carries, 206 yards, and two touchdowns. That's just shy of 10 yards a carry for Dalvin Cook. Now, if you want to take a bit of a deeper dive, you really want to get all that context into Dalvin Cook. You can take out one run. He had a 70-yard run. But even if you take that one run out, Dalvin Cook goes for 21 carries, 136 yards. That's 6.4 yards per carry. I know our backfield doesn't have a Dalvin Cook, but there is... No excuse whatsoever as to why one of our guys, whether it be Gibson or McKissick, can have a productive day running the football. You can head to the game prior to that against the Colts. Jordan Wilkins, 20 carries, 89 yards, 4.5 yards per carry for Wilkins. I will take our guys over Jordan Wilkins. That's not meant to be a diss on Wilkins, but that dude has like 250 yards on the season. And 89 of them came in one game against Detroit. Our running backs are better than that. It has to be the number one goal on offense. You have to dominate the line of scrimmage. And you have to put the run game into full effect. It's going to make the life easier for Alex Smith, the quarterback position. And maybe sort of Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. I mean, I hope Dwayne Haskins doesn't play because that means something absolutely terrible has happened to Alex Smith. Something has either gone terribly wrong from an injury perspective or from a play perspective, unless it's just a complete blowout. But I'm not really expecting a complete blowout. This team has yet to score more than three touchdowns in an actual game. So a blowout in our favor, probably not something to to go into, even if you're the most optimistic person. But our running attack should perform at least to the extent that the Colts did. I don't think the Colts have a great offense right now. I don't care what they did to Tennessee on Thursday Night Football. I don't think they have a great offense. I know our offense is statistically worse than them, but I feel like a lot of that is because they're being somewhat hamstrung by the play calling, and we need to put an emphasis on the run game. That nine carries for an entire game can't happen. It needs to be approaching 30. I mean, 30 should be, I don't know if we want to set a quota for how many touches we want our running backs to have or rush attempts, because obviously we know we have two guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't know if we want to set a quota, but if we're hovering around 30, something is likely going very, very well for this team offensively. So that should be the mark. Get to the 25-30 mark. You're likely breaking off some big plays, and even if you're not breaking off the big plays in the run game, you're getting some chunks because we have the guys that are talented enough to pick up chunk plays, and then that's opening up the pass offense. Ideally, I want Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick on the field as as much as possible. There's been a lot made this week about the the utilization of Antonio Gibson on third down. Uh, They will say you know, some of it has to do with his his pass protection, uh, to which the easy retort is, line him up at receiver. There should not be an excuse in 2020 in a year of innovative offense. We are now in the era of innovative offense in the NFL, utilizing guys kind of outside the realm of the prototypical position that they're listed on on the depth chart, using them outside of that role and putting them in spots where they can get favorable matchups. The Saints do a maybe to the absolute annoyance of everyone on the internet with Taysom Hill, but they do it very, very well with Taysom Hill. Take Antonio Gibson and use them, or at least utilize that mentality to just put him wherever to the extent that Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. I want to see Scott Turner love Antonio Gibson and use him all over the place, similar to what Sean Payton does for Taysom Hill. It's like when your boss tells you to overcommunicate. I want this offense to overcommunicate its love for Antonio Gibson today. Not today, this week, against the Detroit Lions. That's what I want to see. He is too talented to not be on the field. He's taken advantage of his opportunities so far, continued to put the ball in his hands, and continue to do the same thing with J.D. McKissick. We talk about the revenge game for Adrian Peterson. This is a revenge game for McKissick, too who I forgot played for the Detroit Lions. For whatever reason, and I hope and I know, I'm not alone in this, I get J.D. McKissick confused with Jarek McKinnon all the time. It's the it's the M-C-K in the last name, and the fact that both their names start with J. It really confuses me. They both played in that same division, but this is a revenge game for J.D. McKissick against the Detroit Lions. I want to see him perform well. I hope on Sunday, when the clock hits Four zeros in the fourth quarter. The game is over. I hope we are saying more positive things about J.D. McKissick from a national media perspective. Because I will be talking about this game on Sunday night uh, on my national radio show, Sports Map Radio, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. Shameless plug there. But I hope I'm looking at this game from a landscape more of how great McKissick was in his revenge game and not the revenge game of Adrian Peterson. Peterson has been the best running back for the Detroit Lions to this point in the season, but their rushing attack hasn't been exceptional. He leads the team with 350 yards, 93 carries, 350 yards, two touchdowns. So about 3.8 yards per carry. But of those 350 yards, 93 of them came in week one against Chicago. So we struggle to run the football. Detroit also struggles to run the football, but against New York last week, In what was the weirdly Alfred Morris game, or at least an Alfred Morris drive or two for the Giants, we saw the Giants with Alfred Morris, with a running attack, not featuring the best player on their offense as it hasn't had him for about the entirety of the season with no Saquon Barkley, we saw that rushing offense have success against our defense. That was very, very weird, and that's something I don't ever want to see again, especially not with Adrian Peterson seeing as we cut him this year. This has all of the makings to be that revenge game for Adrian Peterson. It should be goal number one to not let that happen from the defensive line perspective. And I can take solace in knowing that if there is one unit on this roster that is going to be able to rebound from a poor performance, I'm putting all of the cards on the table, all of the chips. I'm all in. On the defensive line, being that group that will be able to rebound and dominate the line of scrimmage to the extent that we have thought and we have seen them do so to this point in the season in certain games, and that does include getting after the quarterback in Matt Stafford, who's been sacked 21 times this year. The Lions enter the game at three and five; they have the better record than than our unit, but I don't think they're head and heels better than our football team. They might have the slight edge. You know, I think I'd probably give Matt Stafford, at least now, the very, very slight edge over Alex Smith. But Matt Stafford's a guy that's going to turn the football over. He's a bit of a gunslinger, but he's also a guy that's going to make poor decisions if you get pressure on him. Stafford is a guy, historically, that will turn the football over if you let him turn the football over. He fits into that model of the quarterback. But at the same time, if you allow him to pick you apart and to capitalize on big plays, he will also do that. It's a very weird spot that Matt Stafford is in in that regard. He's a good quarterback though. His interception touchdown interception ratio is a perfect 2 to 1. It's 14 to 7 at the moment. And seeing as our defense did not force Daniel Jones to commit a turnover, I would like to see a rebound in in that, right? I mean that that should go without saying. Force a guy that has a history of turning the ball over to commit turnovers and you win the football game. The football team wins last week against the Giants if the turnover discrepancy wasn't 5 to nothing. And a lot of that goes on the offense. We had some terrible turnovers offensively. But you can also put a degree of that on the defense and say, force guys to turn the football over. That's part of your job. Earlier in the week, Jack Del Rio called Matt Stafford a big game hunter. Strange terminology, but, you know, imagery. I'll take it. And that, I think, is a very good description of what Matt Stafford is. He has a ton of arm strength. Really does. He's going to force the football down the field. But statistically speaking, and I don't know if I want to lean too much into statistics for all of this stuff, but statistically speaking, the pass defense for the football team is the best in the NFL in terms of yards per game. 185.6 yards per game allowed against the Washington football team. That's a pretty good number. A little bit of big plays last week against New York. New York a lot of that uh, came from the safety spot with Cameron Curl who is a guy that's going to get targeted this week without question don't think for a second that Detroit isn't game planning for 31 they are but other than the two the two big plays the the 50-yard reception and the ultimate touchdown reception uh to um to the Giants, what is it, Evan Ingram. I almost said Eric Ebron, but not Eric Ebron plays in Pittsburgh. Evan Ingram plays for the Giants. Other than those two plays, Curl didn't play awful. Didn't play fantastic, but didn't play awful. I'm hoping we see more of the, the good plays than we saw of the bad plays from Cameron Curl against Detroit. If that happens, it's a wonderful, winnable football game. It is. There are a lot of things that Need to go right for the football team to win this game. But it's not like moving heaven and earth, right? Like these are all things that can go right. We're not asking guys to do more than they should be asked to be do- to have done of them. Like this is very simple things, very simple changes. Run the football more. Don't allow big plays. Keep everything in front of you from a defense perspective, get after the quarterback, dominate the line of scrimmage both on the offensive side and the defensive side. These are normal things. They're almost cliche to an extent. That's how I'm viewing this football game. Stafford's been sacked 21 times. The Vikings got him twice last week. The Colts got him five times the week before that. Respectively, the Cardinals and the Packers each got him four times. That was earlier in the season. I view our defensive line as just as good as all of the, well, I'd be better than the Vikings, 100% better than the Vikings, 100% better than the Packers, probably better than the Cardinals, and you could make a real argument better than the Colts. The Colts have a very, very good defense. As much as I loathe their offense and Phillip Rivers, the Colts' defense, their defensive unit is exceptionally strong. So that's an argument to be had in terms of the front four. The Colts' front seven, better. Our linebackers struggle. The front four, there's a real conversation. They might run a 3-4. I don't know enough about the Colts' defense to, to really break down the intricacies of their defensive scheme. But I think that's more of a conversation from a pass rushing perspective. Us with the Indianapolis Colts. Which means I'm expecting multiple guys to get to Matt Stafford on Sunday. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I think it needs to happen. Here's the one guy offensively that we need to keep our eyes glued on for the Detroit Lions, and that's T.J. Hawkinson, their big tight end. That dude has all of the workings to be an absolute killer for our defense. We struggle with tight ends. Linebackers haven't been playing great this year. Safeties haven't been playing great this year. And T.J. Hawkinson is their go-to target in the red zone. He is going to be a scary guy come Sunday. 34 receptions, 360 yards, and five touchdowns for Hawkinson. Their leading receiver, funny enough, is Danny Amendola, who is not at all who I would expect. Going in blind to the Detroit Lions in 2020, I would not have expected Danny Amendola to be their top receiver. 401 yards on 25 receptions for Amendola, a guy that mostly lines up in the slot. That speaks to just how great that offense is going for Detroit. Danny Amendola is their number one guy. Not exactly the skill level of our number one guy in Terry McLaurin, right? I think we can all agree on that one. But Hogginson's going to be some trouble. We have to make sure that we can kind of contain him. We have issues with the tight end. I'm not looking forward to, to that matchup necessarily. Now, one matchup that I am very much looking forward to. This has gotten a lot of buzz because they're former teammates. But Terry McLaurin versus Jeff Okuda is something that very much, 100%, favors the football team, without question. I loved Jeff Okuda coming out of college. I loved watching him play at Ohio State. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I thought he deserved to be the number three overall pick. But he hasn't been great this year. If you pay attention to pro football focus rankings, amongst cornerbacks in coverage... He ranks 117th out of one nineteenth. That is not good. There are two cornerbacks who are worse than him in coverage. And that guy is going to be tasked somewhat with defending Terry McLaurin. It's a barbecue chicken, is what that is. Now, I mean that should be that should be easy money. And if he's not defending Terry McLaurin, he's going to be defending Cam Sims. It should be easy money. That's a big game from whoever is being defended by Okuda. I don't even trust, I think it's Desmond Trufantz on the other side. I don't trust him either. This has all of the workings offensively to where it should be our best performance as a team. It should be better than what we saw against Dallas. And playing off of what we saw in brief snippets from Alex Smith against New York. Take all of the turnovers away. But Alex moving the football down the field. Not being afraid to actually throw it deep. Because something we had never really seen him do in his time here in Washington. Some of that might be on the Jay Gruden offense. That they had him running when he first started. But Alex moved the football better than anyone had so far this season. I hope... That aspect of what we saw from Alex last week carries over. I hope we see a, a performance that kind of finally brings the redemption story full circle. I'm talking 350 yards, maybe flirting with 400 yards. If Cam Sims is the guy that we hope he's going to be, and I want to see him get the football more, we know that Terry McLaurin is dope. He is unguardable to this point. The only game that he's had that wasn't a good football game was that Rams debacle, which was less about him and more about literally everything else going on in other portions of the field, specifically at the quarterback spot and the offensive line's complete and utter inability to stop Aaron Donald. With the exception of that game, Terry McLaurin has been on an absolute tear. He's averaging 86.4 yards per game. But if you take that Rams game out of it, you take that game out of the average, you take those yards out of the average, he's averaging just shy of 100 yards per game. The dude is crushing defenses. And at some point this year, if this continues, he is going to flirt and possibly break Santana Moss's 1483 record in terms of receiving yards, single-season receiving yards. That Santana... Set in his first year here. And McLaurin's only in his second year. And he hasn't even really had a great quarterback. This dude is unbelievable. We are seeing. And we have seen the birth of a star. Great drafting done. And now we get to face off against his teammate. One of his former teammates from college. That he dominated in practice at Ohio State. Why is this going to be any different? I'm expecting 150 plus. From Terry McLaurin, I'm dead serious. 150 plus from Terry McLaurin. I think it's 100% realistic, and I think it kind of helps him get closer to that that single season yardage mark. I'm not in the business of moral victories, but if if the division is out of reach, I I mean I can I will sleep well at night knowing that Terry McLaurin broke Santana Moss's record. I grew up. Being the biggest Santana Moss fan ever, and he's one of my favorite players, members of this organization, uh, Terry McLaurin is very quickly approaching him and catching him. I love everything about the dude. And to see this production kind of unfold in front of us, it has been a whole lot of fun to watch. So I'm expecting a big game from Terry McLaurin. Uh, previewing, he's the star. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting him to be to star number one. And then I'm either expecting McKissick or Gibson to be star number two on offense. And then take your pick on defense. From the defensive line, someone's ending that game with two sacks. I don't know who. We got about five or six guys that you could set, that you could put into that spot there. But I'm thinking somebody on that defensive line is ending this game with two sacks. I think the football team wins. I think the football team wins 27 to 20. I think they move to three and six on the season. I think Detroit also goes to three and six. I think the football team ends up victorious when all is said and done this matchup this weekend. I'd love to know your thoughts as well. Hit me up on Twitter at Denton underscore day. What do you think is going to happen when the football team takes on the Detroit Lions? And who do you think is going to be the big star on both offense and on defense? Hit me up on Twitter. Until then, enjoy the game this weekend. I'll see you Monday for the recap pod. I'm out. Peace.